0: Welcome to From the Magic Pencil, Voices of Writing Through. Our goal is to amplify the voices of people whose stories need to be heard. This is a continuation of my chat with Jess Blackledge. If you haven't checked out the first half of this conversation, I'd do that first and come back to this episode later. If you have already listened to it, then you know what a brilliant and interesting woman she is. In this episode, she shares more of her experiences working at Writing Through and how much culture comes into play when discussing creativity.
1: One thing I'm really interested to know your opinion on is if Writing Through works in the UK, I think with children, it would actually work really well. But with Adults, it's one thing I've really struggled with, which I didn't expect coming home. So I find Cambodia to be very, and Asia in general, to be very Americanized in lots of ways, especially when you're working with young people or you're teaching in a school or something, because a lot of the curriculums are Americanized and things like that. Um, And also a lot of my friends were American. I did have a lot of British friends as well, but you meet a lot of American people traveling in Asia. And I don't know, there's just this kind of Americanism that everyone adopts, it's almost like the international way. And that kind of became my mentality, the American kind of emotiveness. I don't know what the word is, but um, then I came back and faced all these British sensibilities and I wasn't ready for it at all and still struggling with it. It's Everyone is just so reserved. I even think, like, you've said to me in the past that I'm quite British about things and I think I am, but compared to people here, I don't feel like I am at all. No one says what they mean. Everyone's very passive aggressive and polite about things which is in many ways I think that's quite nice and charming and it's the thing that I like about my culture but also that's not who I am anymore and I've had a few instances some at work some with family and things like which has been really uncomfortable for me because I generally say how I feel now and other people don't and they're not expecting it and I'm trying to welcome people's thoughts. So I'm interested how that would work with writing through because it's asking people to be quite vulnerable and quite open and I find that in Cambodia, for example, they really are. All the young people we work with are just ready to put themselves out there. And young people, I think, have a bit less of that reservedness because they're a lot more imaginative and just willing to throw themselves in. But yeah, I was wondering what you would think about adults having lived here yourself.
0: Two strains of thought. The first is that I completely understand what you're saying. As an American expat living in England, which I did for 26 years, I came up against that all the time. It was kind of funny in some ways. You know, you hear stories about people who n- know each other, you know, Americans and Brits who know each other for 10 years. And finally the Brit turns and says, you know, I really don't want to pry, but do you have any children? It's like, what? you know, that kind of, like anything is prying, anything is prying. Um, but on the other hand, then when I came back to the US, you know, I had a situation where I was shopping and in a supermarket and I was waiting to pay. And all of a sudden there was a woman who I didn't know behind me in the line. And she looked at something in my shopping cart and she started to comment on it. Oh, you know, I've used that, it doesn't work so well. Have you tried this? And my initial reaction after having living in England for 26 years was, excuse me, who the hell are you? What are you talking about? So it's a very different way of being. It's absolutely true. writing through of course we don't just work with kids we also work with adults and there have been lots of times when we have worked with teachers and adults in cambodia who just cannot go there you know to them a poem is a certain thing i can't get my head around it being something else i know this is what you're telling me but i'm not so sure i believe you And very often what they fall back on when we try to do brainstorming or if we try to create a poem or even stories, are the tropes, the things that they have been taught to say. Same is very much true in in Vietnam. So I think, yes, part of it is cultural, but part of it is just as you get older, as you refer to, you get a little more closed and a little more self-conscious. And so to bring older people out of their shells in order to really be able to access what it is that they're feeling and thinking and have them feel comfortable enough to do that in a group, that's really hard, but I do believe it works. And then when it does, when you get that light bulb or over the head or that light behind the eyes of a you know 40-something-year-old Cambodian man who has lived through a lot, but now is finally kind of believing that he can say what he thinks, that's an amazing moment. You know, you get one of those every year or so. You're like, all right, this is a win.
1: I was thinking recently actually about um, how, because we had the football going on here and it just it took over the entire country, and you couldn't do anything without someone talking about the football wherever you went and i was talking to someone about how it's so funny that men in this country and worldwide i know but particularly in this country are not allowed to show any emotion unless it's about football it's absolutely fine for them to have a huge emotional breakdown because of the football but that's very clearly being used as like a tool a vehicle for their emotions about everything else and probably a lot of that was all about you know a bunch of pandemic stuff as well i think that would be the ultimate achievement if you managed to get someone was that kind of demographic to partake in a writing-free workshop or some kind of arts expression workshop because it it would be hard I think and there would probably be a lot of pushback but if it happened it would be really cool
0: yeah we would have to trick them to get them into the room in the first place
1: tell them the football's on
0: Is there a story or a poem or something that was created in one of your, the Writing Through workshops that you would like to share with us? Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit why it stands out because you facilitated so many and you're the only one other than me who has facilitated everywhere. So I was just wondering if there was something you would like to share.
1: Yes, I did pick one. So um, I like it because it's a narrative poem and we didn't get many of those. It was a bit of a different experience running workshops in Vietnam, I felt, because it, I think I expected it to be quite similar to Cambodia, but it wasn't at all. It was very different. And this was with italk, which were really just a, a group of people that went to this local coffee shop and they were all creative and artsy and wanted to practice writing English. This one was written by a 20 one Year old man called Hung, and it's called Timeless. Early 2000s, can I buy you a drink? That's how they started talking, Mr. Wick and Ms. Pamela, the two loneliest people on earth. Ever since that night, they've been together, moments counted by minutes, lovers at first sight. The year is 2018, or maybe later. Every time they meet, Pamela always has a gift a kick-ass sword from the Renaissance age, a part of a bomb from a jungle in Vietnam. Every time they meet, she seems a bit older, while he stays the same. The year is 5059. Wick is wandering around the corner of Fifth Street, seems to be the only one left after the atomic war, until he sees a wild daffodil blooming in the middle of a collapsed building. Coming with a humble note, can I buy you a drink? Yeah, like you said, I facilitated across all the countries that Writing Through works in in Asia, and they were all completely different. It was a struggle to get into Vietnam, I remember. It was a struggle to start working there because of the nature of what Writing Through does and how it's not particularly welcomed by the government to have critical thinking, if you phrase it that way. I don't think critical thinking is encouraged, but they have a very rich um literary history, for example. And so they very much like writing. And I think that's kind of the way in. I found that a lot of the young people and the adults, because we started working with adults first in Vietnam before children, they very much want to be writers. That's what I found. They all want to be writers. They want to practice their writing. Even the adults, like they want to be writers. They aspire to be writers. Even like you know, middle-aged people were coming along and wanting to be writers, which I don't feel like we Got so much in Cambodia, but then again, I think writing through mostly works with young people in Cambodia because that's the need. Also, the majority of our workshops in Vietnam was in Hanoi, which is far more developed than anywhere in Cambodia and much bigger. And it was always a culture shock for me just going from Cambodia to Vietnam because Hanoi is such a huge big crazy city you can tell the development in the culture within education as well the english language level is far higher in i don't know if that's the same across vietnam but at least in hanoi is far higher than um, a lot of places in cambodia or at least in the kind of demographics we were working with in cambodia
0: yeah vietnam certainly they have full-time school that's required Yeah, yeah which is not the case in cambodia
1: and just things like um one of the workshops that I ran in Vietnam was completely organized by a 15 year old boy. He completely set it up and did the fundraising for it and got the participants together. I did nothing. I just showed up and facilitated it. He set it all up on his own. And that, I think, is quite telling of how ambitious people are in Vietnam when it comes to writing and reading and and learning English. But then again, I did one workshop in an organization just outside of Ho Chi Minh, which is obviously at the other end of the country. And it was in a very impoverished area and that was the complete opposite and a lot more comparable to places in Cambodia but very different still amazing but it was just kind of cobbled together they really wanted it this like tiny organization on the outskirts of the city they really wanted this workshop but all they had was kind of random people random young people at their kind of day center and so the workshop ended up being a mix of six year olds right up to 21 year olds it was a bit chaotic but so much fun I feel like they got a lot out of it but their english level was very low and we needed a translator for absolutely everything in that workshop but the things that they produced it was very simple and short the pieces of work they were writing but they were so proud of themselves and the i don't know if you would call her like the director of the organization or um something but she she was so proud and said she'd never seen them be this creative and be this open and and dedicated to something, which is great because again, it's kind of a process over product thing, you know, because it doesn't, yeah, yeah, it's all relative to that individual and what they can produce.
0: Yeah, and we always talk about meeting our participants wherever they are, and that includes their English level. Yeah, I think what I found in Vietnam is that the English is better in the cities than in Cambodia but in the countryside, the English is better in Cambodia than it is in in Vietnam. Yeah. For some reason, I I think, I'm not quite sure why that is. I'm not quite sure what that is. But having to run a workshop where there's almost no English at all, that doesn't really happen in Cambodia in the way that it did happen a couple of times in Vietnam.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why that is either, but I would agree with that. Um, Maybe it's something to do with, Cambodia has a lot of NGOs, a lot more than Vietnam, I think, because it's it's more developing, you know, it's um, there's more need for it. So maybe that's why, because there's just a lot more um, English teaching going on and English yeah. speakers, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's a smaller country. So I don't know.
0: I was also thinking about when you were mentioning how um, people in Vietnam want to be writers. That's also the experience we've had, certainly with one organization that we've worked with in Singapore, right? Where we have older women who come to us because they really want to be writers.
1: Yeah, so interesting working with those women because I worked with them in Singapore in person and then I worked with them online when we moved our workshops online as well. Uh, They're just so dedicated. They're mostly kind of women in their 50s to 70s I would say with the occasional younger person but they're all women and they all go to this kind of like a community center right with lots of different workshops and lots of different courses that they can take yeah they absolutely threw themselves into it even online which I was quite surprised about not to not to be patronizing but of that age group to want to log in on zoom for a decent amount of time they were really committed to it and they've managed to produce some really great work that was also a huge kind of jump for me going from doing a lot of workshops in Cambodia and Vietnam to then go and do some in Singapore which was just wildly different especially with women of that age writing in completely fluent English because they speak completely fluent English in Singapore for the most part and that just would never happen in Cambodia. That just doesn't happen. You don't have those kind of demographics that would all meet together and wouldn't even have the opportunity to go to a group like that.
0: Yeah, especially older women in Cambodia. Yeah. It goes beyond being allowed or not allowed. It's just, it's so completely foreign to the role mm. of women, especially as they age in that culture that I couldn't imagine. And also women of that age in Cambodia had very little education themselves because of the Khmer Rouge. That's not something that they would be able to do anyway, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah but exactly. Yeah.
0: But to me it's really fascinating to see how on the one hand each country is different with different challenges and different needs, but still our program is the same. The basics of the workshops are the same. And it can be applied to any of these situations, which is the same I'm finding in the US and the same, I think, that we would find in the UK.
1: Yeah, it is really interesting and it's very adjustable, but actually you don't have to adjust it very much at all, really. I mean, maybe the kind of language that you use for younger people versus adult. For me personally, I found speaking to people who are non-native English speakers. I use the same kind of language anyway because I just use basic English because I don't want to complicate it. So you're speaking in a quite basic way to everyone anyway so actually you're not there's no dumbing down of ideas or anything like that. You can push people a little bit harder to be a bit more explore certain things a little bit more which comes with the brainstorming and um, showing prompts and dragging the ideas out of them a little bit but actually the workshop format doesn't need to be adjusted at all for everyone which is why it works so well i think
0: now if you have a group of native speakers yeah, you can challenge them some more. One of the ways is to talk more about metaphor, which is something we talk about anyway, you know, no matter what your English is. But when you have native speakers, you just push them more and you say, okay, you know, you have to come up with one or two of your own metaphors. And it can't be uh, life is like a road. It can't be something that we've all heard of before. And that in itself is really, really hard. You don't actually need English language for that. That's a thinking skill, come to think of it.
1: so Right. And that's why it's so great that writing through has translators when they're needed, because the point is not for them to come up with something amazing in English. The point is for them to come up with something. And if it's in English or if it's in Khmer or Vietnamese, that doesn't matter. And actually, sometimes the best ideas that they come out with, I've found, are in English, but they're very simple I think sometimes we can all kind of get a bit in our heads about trying to be creative and make something amazing. But actually the best metaphors, for example, that young people in some workshops have come out with have been so simple that I wouldn't even think of it because I'd think, oh, it's too simple. But actually in a poem, it really works and it's amazing. And they do that because their English isn't developed enough to start questioning, you know, what word can I find in the thesaurus for that? They just use the simplest word that they know and they don't overthink anything because they don't have the language skills to do it, which actually works in their favor in creativity.
0: That's right. And a lot of those metaphors, it's not a matter of language. It's, you know, what you have grown up with, or your culture, what you are immersed in. So one of my favorite examples is the Cambodian 17-year-old, Posal, who came up with the metaphor of life is like a waterfall, always going, never coming. Yeah, that's great. Now, I wouldn't have thought that waterfalls are not something that, you know, I come across very often, although I wish I did more. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was great.
1: The other thing that I thought was really interesting is that even within these countries, so even within Cambodia, the things that the young people would write about is very much dependent on the part of the country that they're from and their environment. Because like you'd have kind of inner city kids in Siem Reap would write a lot about their experiences of family and home life. And sadly, a lot of it involved alcoholism. And they didn't write about it in a kind of morbid way. But that was their experience of like, you know, the dad's drink a lot of beer and play a lot of cards. And then in the areas on the border with Thailand, they would write a lot about people leaving to work and not coming back. And that's because their parents often had to leave and go to find work in Thailand, because that's where the money was and they were living in such a rural area of Cambodia.
0: And that's where we got a lot of climate change poems from as well. Because, you know, the rainy season, if the rains aren't heavy enough, you don't have rice. If you don't have rice, you don't have food, you don't have income, you have to go away to get a job.
1: Exactly, yeah. And similarly in the other countries as well, you write about what you know. Especially, I think, if you haven't read much in your life, if you haven't haven't had access to a lot of books, which a lot of these young people haven't, especially in Cambodia. If you haven't read a lot, then like you just write about your own experiences. and. I mean the theme of family is just in everything, whatever big idea we're using, family is in everything in Cambodia. You know this comes back to what I was saying about British sensibilities, you know everyone's so reserved and might feel this way but would never say it, especially not in a poem. But young people in Cambodia are just so willing to talk about how much they care about their family and a lot of that is because, well, it's just cultural, I think, but a lot of it is because we're working with university students who were far away from their families because they were lucky enough to get a scholarship to come to the big city and to get an education. And they knew how lucky they were in that. But they'd write about how much they missed their family. But in that, write about how hard they're going to work to support their family. And their ambitions were about getting a job so that I can support my family. It was always very family-oriented.
0: Which is not something that we see in the West, I think would be very unusual, unless you are from a first generation, you know, immigrant family. My guess is that a lot of it would be what can happen to me? What experiences can I have?
1: Mm -hmm. One uh, example just came back to me. I was telling someone about this the other day. So... In one workshop in Zimri at Pepe, who are university students, they're in that situation. They've come from mostly rural, impoverished backgrounds and come to the city because they've mostly got scholarships to go to university. And I think the theme of the workshop was change. And I showed them a picture of, I think it was like a line of horses, and then one was a zebra. And my goal in that conversation was to talk about be yourself, like be different, own who you are. Because that's what people talk about all the time in our culture, you know, especially at the moment, I think in this cultural wave of everyone kind of owning who they are and being themselves. And all they came back with was, Oh, I I wouldn't want to be that horse. He's got it wrong. He's doing the wrong thing. He's not playing by the rules. I was like, what's happening? No, we need to go back to what, what the point of this is. But they were saying that because, they don't want to be different. They want to pull together as a team and they want to collaborate. And if you step out of that, then you're not cooperating. And they want to do that because they have this kind of community feeling that I don't think we have as much. And they have this real kind of like everyone together pulling together. But then I did say to them, but how about the fact that you are, so most of them are the only person in their family who's getting an education. And I was like, doesn't that make you different? Isn't that a good thing? And then they were like, oh yeah, okay, because their education is the most important thing in the world, so they wouldn't argue with that. But at the same time, they do have this sense of, you know, they don't want to stand out from the crowd. They just want to be successful and just want to be supportive of family and their community.
0: Well, they're naturally co-creators. Yeah. Yeah. All working together for one common good. But I think on that note, you know, I could sit and talk to you for days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, let's do this again because there's so much that we can talk about. And, you know, as we go on and things evolve in your own work as well as in writing throughs, I want to continually come back and and get your perspective on it. But Mm -hmm. I want to thank you so much, Jess. It's just fascinating as always and great to hear your voice.
1: Yeah, great to hear yours. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. It's been so nice. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Next week, our current Deputy Director, Kristen, is joined by a remarkable young man from Liger Leadership Academy in Cambodia. Liger is an incredible school. We've been working with since 2018. Their mission is to educate the promising youth of today to develop socially conscious entrepreneurial leaders of tomorrow. Here's a little taste of what's to come.
1: Like writing allows me to pause and get into a deep thinking state. Writings make me feel like no matter where we are in the world, we are always near
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating, leaving us a review, and subscribing. Also, if you could recommend the podcast to anyone in your life you think might like it, we'd be so grateful. We're a new podcast, so this really helps us out. From the Magic Pencil is a collaborative product of the staff and volunteers of Writing Through including founder and executive director Sue Guiney and deputy director Kristen Schuster. It is edited and produced by our operations coordinator, Bea Rice. We would like to give special thanks to our interns, Rachel Walkman and Eva Phelps, without whom these podcasts would not have been possible. If you are interested in donating, volunteering, or partnering with Writing Through, or just finding out a little bit more about what we do, you can check out our website, at www.writingthrough.org find us on facebook instagram twitter and linkedin or email us at info@writingthrough.org at until next time thank you so much for listening ever onward